0: Welcome back to the Seriously Stem Cells podcast, where we discuss everything stem cells. I'm Pim.
1: And I'm Ayo. On today's episode, we are going to continue our exploration into the world of stem cells. Hey guys, in this episode, we're going to be answering the question um, of whether we can grow a brain outside of the human body. Um, My initial answer is kind of yes. Mm. Mm -hmm. what's the initial answer of him uh i would
0: say kind of yes uh not to you know mean to copy your thing but i think what i'm trying to say is that um the brain that has been sort of attempted to be grown outside of the body uh in the labs right now and they're still under the process of trying to become a bigger more fuller brain uh, i would say and they are often referred to as mini brain or brain organoids they do grow like the functional neurons uh that look and work like the normal neurons that we have inside our brains right so
1: yeah so you can have lots of different types of organoids you can have a liver one and you can have one where you can grow parts of the, the eye but are yeah. different types of organoids that you can have um but yeah, today we're just going to be focusing on the mini brain or the brain organoid.
0: Yeah, um, I mean today I really just want to talk about both of the pros and cons of having this sort of brain being grown outside of the body um, It's a lab uh, and I would probably just want to start with the research and clinical perspectives that is quite, um, I guess it's scene of how organoids can be useful in that setting um the two main examples i can think of is drug development and screening uh and disease modeling basically so those are two different things um yeah what what do you understand about the first one io the idea
1: of drug development and screening yeah um so screening is what i understand um looking to detect whether a patient or in this case it would be an organoid um would have a disease or a disorder um and then drug development is developing a drug to target a disease or to effectively treat a disease
0: really. yeah. yeah yeah i think so like that that's pretty much um hitting a nail on the head uh, <laughs> i think there is quite a challenge right now to understand the drug interaction with both a healthy and diseased brain purely because i think in early clinical development stage where a lot of researchers are you know doing most of these investigations on like animal models like mouse or primates um it's quite hard to translate the results from those clinical research into, like, the next stages of um, the clinical trials. For example, like, in human trials, right? Um, So I think having sort of brain organoids can be quite useful to understand uh, or basically see how the drug interacts with the brain. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it's also worth noting that um, when we do experiments on rats or mice, that they... They have a different or I would argue more primitive um, brain than we do. So our brain is a bit more complex um, and so the way that we might um, metabolise or deal with drugs could be different to that of a rat or mice. So for example um, ibuprofen and warfarin are um, medications that we routinely give to humans but in rat i think it's um, toxic so that's just an example of what works for us doesn't necessarily work for rats and mice and so this is a really helpful could be really helpful tool to as Pim say bridge that gap between the research that we do on animal models to then test that out on humans
0: yeah 100 percent. and i think um what you were mentioning before how it's not the same in the mouse uh, comparing it to the humans, sometimes it can also occur in the same species, as in how drugs affect me might affect differently on you. So, uh, this all leads to like another sub point about how organoids can sort of be um, basically tailored towards like one person. And, you know, it can be based on that person's histological and genetic characteristics. And um, this can serve as like a small patient trial, I guess, which is a very interesting concept. Uh, I, well, I at least I think it is because um, maybe we can look into the future of replacing some of the animal trials with these sort of organoids trials instead.
1: I idea that's really weird, actually. that mm-hmm. Someone's growing a mini brain that has the same like genetic information as you. It's <laughs> bit strange.
0: bit sci-fi actually it does it sounds sounds very strange Um, especially you know with given what's uh, kind of um, tools that people can use nowadays with genetically manipulating your um, DNA I'm guessing these organoids can also be they are actually quite easily manipulated using um, genetic tools genetic engineering tools like crispr cas9 and um yeah i think this could be sort of answers for studying the div- a disease that has different subtypes like cancer as well um you know as as you know there's such a, a wide range of um, heterogeneity of cancer subtypes so this could be could be like a real gold mine for um those patients,
1: yeah. So um, some of the tools that are mentioning, such, such as CRISPR, Class Nine, um, allow us to either um, like take cut out or insert certain genes, um, and then that allows us to genetic manipulate um, or basically turn off or turn off or turn on certain yeah. genes and hopefully change the behaviour um, that we see in that organoid or if it was in a person, that human. Or that disease.
0: Yeah. Um, it's very useful, um, in this setting and it can also be quite uh I guess a tool that can help with patients who might need certain um transplantation as well. If their uh, organs well obviously this is like a hypothetical situation. It hasn't really happened yet in as far as I'm concerned. But um imagine like being able to grow your brain um, in like a normal human size right in the lab and having like the same genetic makeup as you but maybe um, it's a healthy brain instead of like um, you know disease brain and then you transplant that into like yourself
1: <laughs> this is getting weird wacky and wonderful i love it <laughs> it's really super interesting who and i have been talking about this before but about so this was like a 2009-2010 project where they were trying to map the human brain, it's called the Connectome project, but if you combine that with the connector, it might be able to map your entire brain, so all the connections that it makes, um, which encodes all of your memories and your behaviours, then you, you uh, couple that with um, being able to grow or um, culture um, a yeah. uh, mini-brain or let's say a functional brain that's pretty that's pretty cool and that doesn't have the um the maybe neurodegenerative disease say if you had parkinson's or you had um a form of dementia you don't have that aspect you can remove that whatever pathology is and then you can like transplant that back in yeah i mean the practicalities of that is It will be quite difficult really sure. not at the moment but it's quite interesting um, yeah
0: it's definitely something to look forward to and that kind of leads very nicely into my next sort of point about the uses of like um a brain organoid which is disease modeling as like we speak quite a lot about re- just now replacing your disease brain with like a healthy brain um to whatever capacity if that works um for like researchers I think at the moment what matters more is understanding the effects of um I don't know the risk factors that will cause certain diseases I think and sometimes um it could be quite difficult if um they're investigating um a disease the same disease in different people with different genetic makeup so I think this is where um understanding having like a patient specific uh um organoid that is like a brain organoid could sort of allow researchers to investigate the causation between um possibly you know the risk that causes the disease and what are the sort of phenotypes or you know identifying um things that you can see in like a disease brain uh i want to like Make another example is that it can also possibly um, allow researchers to investigate the mechanisms that underlie the development of diseases, um, because sometimes I think it's quite difficult uh, to completely understand the um, link between developmental processes and the phenotypes. I'm talking uh, specifically for diseases that are um, that affects. Uh, the brain and its development, right? Like um, autism spectrum disorders, right? So in this case, I think patients who are affected by this uh, shows an imbalance of different neuron types, uh, the ones that initiate signals and another one that acts like a break so I think organoids, especially the brain organoids, acts as like sort of a perfect medium to investigate this, the point of which the brain starts to look different in an autistic person from like the moment that it was maybe possibly before it was affected to the point that it is affected. So so I thought that that's like a very interesting um, research aspect, you know, that came about during my research for this topic <laughs> i don't know what you think about it
1: no it's actually um kind of interesting <laughs> it is interesting no it's, it just made me think of um something i'd watched on keeping up with the kardashians stay with mm. me um, <laughs> <so> <laughs> there's a, a scene where um chloe and um what's the model what's her name kendall um, um, are getting scans of their brain. And I know this is quite um becoming more common with celebrities. They'll go and get scans of the brain and sort of figure out what's gone on, what's wrong, um, without really having a um a particular reason that they're going, but just to see what's my brain like. um but I thought it's interesting if you couple that with um an organoid, just sort of commercially sometime in the future whether we'd have um, a situation where people are having their mini brain grown to see developmentally what's with their brain or what's quirky with their brain or, you know? It's interesting how this could be used commercially in the future or down the road, the same way that um, scanning or imaging the brain is starting to be used a bit more commercially as a choice as opposed to out of... um, medical concern or referral from a doctor to mm-hmm. invest in particular?
0: Yeah, I I yeah, I kind of agree with that. And it particularly sort of raises this question of whether are we there yet with brain organoids really in terms of its um developing it? Is it easy enough to sort of put it into a commercialized stage where people can like use it? You know it's really nice to think of um it being sort of commercially available to people but i think that sort of also highlights one of the main challenges that um organoids are going through i would say it is quite difficult um to have like a quality um organoid that sort of adheres to like a standard because it lacks this quality control guidelines and that means that organoids are produced, for example, from a research lab, could vary from batch to batch. And it could sort of jeopardize the quality of the organoids of which it is produced. There are still quite a lot of challenges in developing itself in the lab for it to be, you know, grown like in a size big enough to be um, researched. And some of these difficulties include like not being able to completely make the cell types of the brain mature and the fact that the brains don't have enough vascularization that basically means they don't have enough blood vessels going through them so they have limited nutrient supplies for the cells to grow uh, i think currently like the brains that are grown to like four millimeters are uh, entirely reliant on oxygen and nutrients um, diffusing from the surrounding like environment which could be like in emerge in like a liquid um, environment or whatnot like a gel. so i think um in order before thinking of like a commercial um access to these sort of uh, brain organoids or whatever types of organoids really is basically think about the manufacturing process of the organoids a lot of technologies that could support this like spinning bioreactors that allows nutrients to be absorbed into the organoids better uh, or maybe sort of like a niche factors something that we spoke of in our first episode it's about stem cell niche that it could induce like a particular um mechanisms inside like the cells and in this case it could induce vascular like networks like allowing um you know maybe the blood vessels to grow and also it might help after you know you've transplanted the organoids into a human body to uh for it to sort of not be rejected by the host you know what i mean so uh it it is a lot of um different things even bioprinting you know very similar to what we've heard of like 3d printing Uh, but replacing the ink with like a bio ink instead is very, very um, interesting because it could, you know, eliminate the um, histological complexities of making organoids and it can generate more like, you know, cells or even sort of like tissues. Um, So it basically improves the efficiency process of making the organoids. You can even optimize like, you know, the process or use artificial intelligence to help with you know digitalize all the bio ink into like a library and optimize a whole mechanical process all that stuff which is very very interesting avenue of um, research I think that needs to be looked into further for organoids and you know with brain organoids as well I do think that there is a limitation in um, brain organoids that cannot be overlooked uh this is especially seen in you know any type of research associated with the physical and psychological behaviors of the human um and i think this is because organoids itself when it's not linked to the larger biological system investigating these types of research is very difficult right what do you think
1: yeah so um not being able to make that link between the brain activity and behavior because you have sort of removed that you have separated the the mint well the neuronal tissue so um UCLA Brain Research Institute's integrated center for neural repair um said that we'll never be able to identify the subtle differences in brain structure and function things that are relevant for patients with neurological disorders if our organoids have the wrong balance of cell types or grossly irregular structure so um it just highlights that there is a limitation. It's not a, um, it's not like a the perfect solution to bridging the gap between uh, animal models and testing on humans. Um, but it does give us a better idea. Um, yeah, but we're never going to get the information that you get from trying things on humans because at the end of the day, we're more than um, a bunch of neurons in a in a dish. <laughs>
0: That's true. yeah that's one of the more important things that i think we can look at and i think one of the main stuff that we can't really overlook is the ethics of growing the brain itself outside of the body obviously it might sound quite jarring to some people the idea of like growing like an organ outside of your own body um requires quite a lot of um good practices and you know, adhering to the right guidelines to make sure that everything's all good. I think one of the sort of scrutiny that stem cells has been sort of looked under is to do with the sources of the stem cells itself. So using the embryonic stem cells from humans is still quite like an ethical concern, you know, and it's associated with issues like exploiting the individual's who maybe have donated the tissues, you know, and didn't know that it was going to be used for research purposes and whatnot. But I don't know, maybe you can tell me a little bit more actually on the whole consent bit, Ayo.
1: Um, yeah, I guess it's, it's a it's a new um, scientific space. It's only really about 10 years old, just over 13, 14 years old. Um, yeah. So I think the legalities of that are... Um, are still being developed as well um, and what quite what that means we kind of joked about it earlier but the idea of having a mini brain grown in a lab that has the same genetic um, information as you I think that to some extent you feel like you have some ownership over that because that's your DNA um, yeah. that's essentially your your tissue and that also comes into things like commercialization when you have um, these big companies having biobanks. Um, what if they have your genetic information and they've kept it in, in a in a facility somewhere? And how that's used? So I think the the of the ethics around all of that are quite quite interesting and novel.
0: Yeah, it's gonna I think start quite a lot of conversations around that, um, and for a good reason really, just to protect people's sort of uh, rights and privacy. To like the things that they they ought to have rights on um but yeah i think another sort of concerns would probably be how those brain organoids are sort of commercialized as well you know sometimes you're not really sure how it's going to be used maybe it's not for therapeutic purposes and that might be quite a potential risk to like certain societies certain people so that's that's quite a like a flag um that people should come and revisit uh and yeah i think that's another concern that we can think of something to do with distribution
1: yeah seriously so um we're referring to the kardashians well i was referring to the kardashians (laughs) (laughs) about this sort of um the commercial nature of brain scans at the moment um and looking back to organoids but it begs the question who's going to um have access to this we already have um, socioeconomic um, divides when it comes to access to uh, healthcare, um, just in a country alone, and then also when you look across countries. Um, so, if this could um, be as uh, beneficial to healthcare um, as we suggest it can, then are we just growing the inequalities that we see in the world? And The science is really cool, but we do also have a social uh, responsibility as well to how that's implemented and the effects that has on society.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Like the gap between um, people that can access and cannot access some types of healthcare is already wide enough. And I'm not sure that bringing this sort of new innovative technology, however beneficial, would you know actually benefit the people who need them or would it just sort of further increase this gap so it's very interesting um yeah in that case i kind of want to just summarize the whole conversation we just had that uh, in my point of view at least um the mini brains like the brain organoids they don't encompasses all the answers um in you know certain aspects in research they can't replace um, animal modules entirely, um, especially when it comes to research associated with, um, you know, uh, cerebral activity and how it affects the psychological behaviours and the physical behaviours of people. Also, that it still has a lot of challenges in how it can be produced, how it can keep up with the high quality of it, how do you, you know, be able to reproduce it in the same quality everywhere and also the ethical issues. I say the benefits are quite uh, quite wide, even with just drug screening or disease modeling, it could quite, I guess, like reduce the gap between translating a lot of cl- clinical research into a practical use.
1: Yeah, and even further than that, um, we talked about, about translate about transplanting a brain, but this might be um, a way to also um, reduce waiting lists for transplants if we could have viable um, options to implant organoids that we would grown. Um, so the, the benefits of organoids generally and brain organoids are really encouraging um, for looking at different diseases and hopefully finding better therapeutic options.
0: Yeah, I think for like personalized treatment, it can definitely open up that kind of avenue. It can act as like a tool to, for physicians or even researchers to use to compare how different drugs work for different people so in that sense it can be very bit uh, beneficial so uh I think I just want to end the episode there <laughs> we're okay with that
1: um, but let us know guys so what do you guys think what's your answer can we grow brain outside of the body
0: yes and I'll let, let- Make sure to join us in our next episode and check out our blog post at seriouslystemcells.wordpress.com forward slash as we continue our exploration of stem cells. But for now, from me, Pim.
1: And from me, Ayo. Have a lovely day and don't forget to take stem cells very seriously.